Hey guys, this is Durden from the Lafinity Discord. Today we'll be talking about part four of our tokenomics series where we cover revenue. So Lafinity has two sources of revenue in trading fees and market making profit. So we'll be explaining how we use that to reward VE Lafinity holders and to grow our protocol on liquidity. So let's get started. All right, so starting with trading fees, um, it's common among other DEXs to have an overarching goal of wanting to attract as much liquidity as possible. Uh, this is because the more liquidity you have, the more trading volume you get, which generates more trading fees. Uh, typically, the portion of the trading fee that goes to the protocol is fixed. And that's why maximizing the amount of volume um, directly um, optimizes the amount of revenue that the DEX generates. But with Lifinity, we take a different approach. Um, basically, we want to optimize the amount of profit that BE Lifinity holders will receive. And when you want to do that, it's not as straightforward as just maximizing the amount of liquidity providers on your platform. Um, and this is partially because uh, we don't only have liquidity providers, but we also have protocol-owned liquidity. And the significant difference between the two of these things is that um, with liquidity providers, you have to give them a portion of the trading fees in order to incentivize them to provide liquidity on your platform. But this is not the case with protocol-owned liquidity, where you can capture 100% of the trading fees. And so in our ecosystem, there's these <clears throat> two types of liquidity providers, the standard LPs and then the protocol-owned liquidity. So we treat them differently. And that's what results in us not trying to attract liquidity at all costs. So let's consider the relationship between liquidity and the trading fees earned per LP token. So when you don't have much liquidity and you start adding liquidity, the trading fees earned per LP token will start going up at a quick pace. This is because uh, the more liquidity you have, the better prices you can offer, and so you capture more volume, which means more trading fees. Um, but this relationship doesn't last forever. After some point, uh, the trading fees earned per LP token starts to decrease. This is because although more volume, or rather more liquidity means more volume, it also means more LP tokens. So the extra volume you're capturing is shared between more LP tokens. Uh, and there's only so much trading volume uh, in, a, in any given ecosystem. So the amount of volume you capture can't keep going up forever the way that uh, the number of LP tokens on your platform theoretically can. So that means after some point, the, the extra volume you're capturing is less than the increase in the number of LP tokens. And therefore, 
the trading fees earned per LP token starts to decrease as liquidity increases. So what this means for us is that um, LPs can deposit as much as they want. And because, well, in the standard model, they receive a fixed portion of the trading fees. So what that will do is it will dilute the trading fees earned by our protocol-owned liquidity. Now, this is not ideal because since we capture a larger portion of the trading fees, namely 100%, through our protocol on liquidity, whereas with uh, liquidity providers liquidity, we only capture a portion of the trading fees. We it, Ideally, we'd like to prioritize uh, the protocol on liquidity in some way. And so we do this by dynamically incentivizing deposits, um, by adjusting the share of trading fees that liquidity providers receive. So we do this in two ways. The first is that we set something called a target liquidity. This is the ideal level of liquidity where the trading fees uh, per LP token is maximized. And so how we use this is we say the closer our liquidity gets to the target liquidity, uh, the less trading fees that LPs will receive. So when we have zero liquidity, uh, LPs will be heavily incentivized uh, because we're very far away from that target liquidity. But as we get closer and closer to it, they will receive fewer trading fees. And then the second item is that the more protocol-owned liquidity we have, uh, we this once again, we um, incentivize LPs less. So, and this is our way of prioritizing the protocol-owned liquidity. So as our protocol-owned liquidity um, approaches the target liquidity, um, then the LPs will gradually uh, receive less incentive to deposit. So we have a precise way of calculating this percentage that L, uh, the LP's share of trading fees um, in the article. And uh, it probably wouldn't be too useful to um, say it out loud. Um, but basically, all you need to understand is the factors I mentioned above, that um, they it's adjusted based on the protocol-owned liquidity, the amount of liquidity provided by LPs, the um, target liquidity that we're aiming to reach, and also a final item called the incentivization factor. Um, this is a adjustable parameter. So we will be able to look at how um, LPs are being incentivized and see if it's doing its job well. And if it's not, we can adjust this incentivization factor to increase or decrease uh, the share of fees that LPs receive. And just so it's clear, all the trading fees that don't go to uh, the liquidity providers will be retained as a protocol fee, and that will be part of our revenue. So just to give an idea of 
what we think um, this will look like in practice. At the start, when we create a new pool, it'll have no liquidity in it. Um, at that point, the liquidity providers are most heavily incentivized to start adding liquidity. Um, and then gradually over time, as we explained in part one, we will start accumulating protocol-owned liquidity for that pool by selling VE Lifinity for LP tokens of that pool. And as we that protocol-owned liquidity increases, that will gradually begin to disincentivize the LPs. So as their yield starts to decrease, some of them will start to uh, will decide that the yield is insufficient and start to withdraw, but not everyone. And this will continue until the protocol-owned liquidity uh, increases enough uh, to motivate all the liquidity providers to withdraw, perhaps around uh, when we reach the target liquidity. Um, yeah, so basically the goal is to have a smooth transition from a state where the pool is mostly um, liquidity providers to a state where it's mostly protocol-owned liquidity. And by the time we reach that point, uh, the pool will be totally self-sufficient, where the protocol, Lifinity itself, is providing all the liquidity um, and is not reliant on the outside liquidity providers. I think I didn't mention this earlier, but the the LPs's share of fees will range from 100% to 0%. Um, and some people might wonder why we would ever make it so low as to be 0%. And the reason for this is that um, we want to make bribing sustainable. So if, for example, um, when we reached uh, the target liquidity and LPs were still um, heavily incentivized to keep their liquidity in the pool, that means protocols would have no reason to bribe because there's already sufficient liquidity in their pool. But because um, as we approach the target liquidity, liquidity providers are gradually disincentivized to withdraw, that means there should always be more room for um, liquidity to be added as protocol-owned liquidity. And so protocols should want to bribe to make up whatever gap there is um, between the current liquidity and the target liquidity that we're aiming to achieve. And there is an exception to this system where uh, to this uh, dynamic trading fee system. And that is the liquidity provided by Lifinity Flares, which is our NFT project. So uh, for those who are not aware, um, we put all the soul that we raised in the sale of these NFTs into our liquidity pools. And in the original article where we uh, explained the details of this project, we mentioned that <clears throat> Uh, their liquidity would receive 85% of the trading fees, and then 15% would be retained as a protocol fee. In fact, this was our original 
plan for all pools, but it was before we decided on these tokenomics, which made us take a different approach because we have protocol owned liquidity. But because we mentioned in that article that it would be an 85, 15% split, um, we're going to keep that fixed. So Lefinity Flares's liquidity will always re uh, receive a fixed 85% of trading fees. So to summarize what we've talked about so far, um, the way to think about uh, trading fees on Lefinity is that there's two classes of liquidity providers. One is the standard liquidity providers, the external liquidity providers, and the other is the protocol-owned liquidity. Um, if you are a external liquidity provider, you get access to Lefinity's pools as yields um, while we have little liquidity. But if you are a VE Lefinity holder, then you get permanent and full access to the yield we're able to generate through our protocol-owned liquidity. And in addition to the protocol fee that we get from liquidity providers. All right, let's talk about the next component of our revenue, which is market-making profit. So Lefinity is able to generate more yield compared to other automated market makers. And when I say yield here, I don't mean the APY per se. I mean uh, organic yield from trading activity and not um, inflationary token rewards, or in other words, liquidity mining. That is not really yield that's being generated. It's just giving away shares of the protocol and it basically dilutes the other current holders. So it's a very different type of yield. Um, one interesting fact about Lefinity is that, um, so we mentioned earlier that liquidity providers, um, if we go past the target liquidity, they will receive 0% of trading fees. But interestingly on Lefinity, it's possible to earn yield even if you're receiving 0% of trading fees and there's not even any liquidity mining rewards. And this is possible because of this market making profit. So basically uh, market making profit, um, you get this when you buy low and sell high. Um, so commonly on other types of AMMs, namely Uniswap V2 style um, AMMs, or uh, also known as constant product AMMs, and also Uniswap V3 style AMMs, both of those cannot produce a profit from market making. The only possibility is for them to lose money market, make, market making. Um, and this is more commonly known as impermanent loss. Um, so basically when the prices of the two assets in a pool diverges, then um, the liquidity providers will experience a loss. And so impermanent loss um, basically is just buying high and selling low. Um, so with Lefinity, it's, it's possible to experience impermanent loss. There is no guarantee 
that um, this will be avoided. However, looking at both tests we've done and the actual performance of our decks uh, since going live on Jupiter, we can see that we actually have quite substantial market-making profit. Um, so basically, we're able to reverse impermanent loss. And uh, we've previously called this phenomenon impermanent gain just to uh, simply communicate that the, we were able to reverse impermanent loss. But it's probably not the best term. It's certainly not accurate. So now we are switching to this more accurate market market making profit or MMP for short. So market making profit is the total profit and loss from market making. So the way to calculate this is um, one, you just look at the profit and loss that your, um, your pool has made from market making. So excluding trading fees, you look at first, um, what were your starting assets? So for example, say at the beginning you had one soul and a hundred USDC. And then at the end, you had um, 0.99 soul and 101 USDC. So then you could look at the price of soul um, at the end and calculate, okay, which is higher? Uh, 100, and, 100 USDC and one soul or 101 USDC and 0.99 soul? And if the second is greater, that is after trading, if your if your net if your total assets is greater than if you had just held those assets and not done any trading, then that means that you've made a market making profit, or your MMP is positive. And if it's negative, that means you've experienced impermanent loss. So one thing that's important to make clear is that unlike trading fees, where we take a portion of it from liquidity providers, Lefinity will never take market-making profit from LPs. So as a consequence, LPs have a sort of impermanent loss protection, or in fact, usually it goes much beyond um, just protecting you, but in fact, making you a, 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 pro a profit in addition to the trading fees. Um, and again, like this is not possible on constant product AMMs or Uniswap V3 style AMMs. An interesting consequence of this is that even when the total liquidity in a pool has gone beyond the target liquidity, and as a result, liquidity providers receive 0% of the trading fees, they can still earn yield from market making profit. So um, unlike other exchanges where trading fees are the only source of organic yield. Of course, there can always be liquidity mining. Um, we have this additional source of organic yield that's not reliant on inflationary rewards. They can make additional profit by buying low and selling high. When it comes to market making profit uh, of the protocol-owned liquidity, we treat it a little bit differently. So when our protocol-owned liquidity is below the target liquidity, um, our goal is to grow that protocol-owned liquidity to reach the target liquidity. 
And so until that is accomplished, whatever market making profit that the protocol owned liquidity generates will remain um, in the pool as protocol owned liquidity. But once we reach the target liquidity, now any market making profit that we generate will take us beyond the target liquidity. And that means we're not using our assets as efficiently as we could. Um, again, remember the target liquidity is where um, the trading fee per LP token is maximized. And so any market making profit beyond that point, we will withdraw as profit and use it as revenue. And speaking of revenue, let's talk about how we use it. So Lefinity's total revenue is the sum of market making profit that we withdraw as profit, which we just explained, and also protocol fees, which is the sum of um, both the share of the trading fees that LPs do not receive, and also all the trading fees generated by protocol owned liquidity. And our revenue will be in the form of LP tokens. And as we know, LP tokens are composed of two different tokens. Now we're gonna use the two tokens in an LP token for different purposes. So for convenience, I'm going to be referring to them as the buyback token and the reward token. So in general, we're gonna use stable coins as the buyback token. So the plan is during the first year, all the buyback tokens will be used to buy back uh, Lefinity. And this will in turn be used to acquire more liquidity by selling it as VE Lefinity, as explained in part one. Then after the first year, we're going to use 80% of the buyback tokens uh, to buy back Lefinity. And 20% will be used to fund ongoing development and this is to ensure that the development of Lifinity remains sustainable beyond the funds raised in the IDO. So the other half of the uh, revenue is reward tokens. These tokens are gonna be distributed pro rata straight to VE Lifinity holders. So as an example, if we have three pools, Sol USDC, BTC USDC, and ETH USDC, then VE Lefinity holders will receive Sol, BTC, and ETH as rewards. So to summarize, the use of the revenue is pretty straightforward. We use half to distribute uh, directly to VE Lefinity holders, and we use the other half to do buybacks. Now the choice for buyback and reward tokens um, is not always straightforward because some pools have no stable coin and some pools have two of them. So for example, there's pools like Shadow Soul, for example, which has no stable coin, or there's pools like USDC, USDT, which have two stable coins. So in those cases, I'm, we're gonna take it case by case, but just so um, people have an idea of like what our overarching goal is, we're trying to do is we're trying to align ourselves with bribing pro protocols. Um, so say we have protocol A who's who wants to bribe for us. So we have a pool of their token, token A with USDC. Now, if we 
um, took those rewards, uh, the LP tokens, we split it up into token A and USDC. And say, for example, we used, our plan was to use it all for buybacks. Then what we would do is we would take the token A and sell it for USDC. And then we can use all that USDC to buy back Lifinity. Now this is not great from the perspective of the bribing protocol because it means all the revenue we generate in the form of their token is creating sell pressure for their token. And so to avoid that, um, we are using the structure that I outlined above. And an additional reason for using um, this structure is that it reduces trading fees as much as possible. So in the example I just gave, if we, if we traded token A for USDC, then that would incur a trading fee. And so that would mean <clears throat> we'd be able to buy back that much less Lifinity, um, so just some leakage to um, whatever decks we're trading on. Um, but yeah, we, we bypass that. Um, we do, however, do buybacks of Lifinity with USDC, but this will not have any leakage because we're going to set up our own Lifinity USDC pool, uh, Lifinity USDC pool um, on Lifinity. And so whatever trades we do there, um, the fees will accrue to that pool, the Lifinity USDC pool. So <clears throat> basically it's, it just goes back to that pool, and that means um, it'll gradually increase liquidity for Lifinity USDC over time. And uh, yeah, so we're not leaking any value to external exchanges. So that is the rationale behind choosing this structure. Okay, so what does this mean for you as a VE Lifinity holder? Well, since you receive rewards, in um, tokens that we have pools for, that means you will be able to gain exposure to a wide variety of tokens in the Solana ecosystem. Um, and that comes from, not just from revenue, but also from bribes, as we explained in the previous part. And then also looking at this from the perspective of bribing protocols, since once they accumulate um, or secure liquidity for their pool, and that pool will generate uh, revenue in the form of LP tokens, which contains their token, which is then passed on to VE Lifinity holders. That means by just securing um, liquidity on our platform, they can sort of indirectly um, increase their holder base because the VE Lifinity holders will be receiving their token. So it's great for bribing protocols and it's also great for VE Lifinity holders. All right, that's it for part four. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned um, for part five where um, we take a big picture view of everything we've talked so far, see how the pieces fit together. And also we'll compare ourselves with some other protocols. All right, until next time, thanks for listening.